The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go beyond reality. Welcome to the program. It is great to have you along as we kick off our live week. Last night, of course, Martin Luther King Day holiday, so we took advantage of that. But we had a great uh, BRR classic, Beyond Reality classic on last night. In fact, um, Joe McQuillan was the guest. He has written a book, and I'm trying to remember, I think my search for Christopher or the search for Christopher, something like that was the name of the book. I don't remember offhand, uh, but it was about the book is about his quest to reach his son who passed away prematurely. I think he was 19 or 20 years old, died at, a, at an accident, and just uh, completely upended Joe and his family's world. And uh, Joe set out on a quest to try to make contact, and he was successful, according to him. He told us a lot about it during last night's program. By the way, if you're interested in hearing the story and you missed it last night, it's still on our YouTube channel in the archives, so you'll be able to find it. Uh, But his book actually details the different ways that his son Christopher continues to communicate with him from the other side. A very, very interesting story and uh, inspiring story, sad at times, but certainly uh, the, the ending is uplifting and inspiring and hopeful as well. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed it. If you listened and if you haven't had a chance, if you want to find it, I hope, I think you will find it very, very, uh, uh, worth the time. So uh, welcome to the program. We are going to be talking about souls tonight, not just souls uh, in the sense that uh, we normally talk about them, but we're also going to be talking about past life regression and uh, more. Our guest will be a returning guest, Wendy Rose Williams. Wendy is a spiritual teacher, a past life regressionist, and a Reiki master. We'll be talking about the purpose of soul groups, soul mates, and soul contracts. We'll talk about what can past life regression therapy heal or resolve. And we'll talk about how Wendy herself found, discovered, and worked with over 100 of her own past lives over the past decade and how that has improved her quality of life. So a lot of great stuff uh, coming on. Uh, Tonight with our guest, Wendy, looking forward to having her back. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have not done that yet, do it, please. Go to YouTube, search for J.V. Johnson, and please subscribe. Same thing with the Twitch channel. If you were around Friday night, you know that our Friday night uh, show is not on the YouTube channel. It's on the Twitch channel because it is a little different than this program. Uh, I bring in some other guys, and we just talk about nonsense generally. We try to laugh, and we try to end the week on a very what we consider to be a humorous note. And if you can't laugh at the jokes we make, at least, at least you can laugh at us. We're okay with that, too. As long as there is some laughter involved, we're good with it. Uh, but again, the Twitch channel can be found by searching for J.V. Johnson as well. Very simple to do that, as, uh, as, as easy as that. Also find the podcast version of the show. On all major podcast distribution platforms, we appreciate you subscribing. Even if you tend to watch the live show or the YouTube show or the Twitch channel, whatever it is, subscribe to the podcast. That way you have a backup in case you miss one of the episodes. It's very easy if you're you know, driving in your car. You can't watch a video in your car, right, when you're driving. We don't do that. So you can flip on the podcast version of any episode that you want to catch. It's free to subscribe. Just do it, please. Uh, Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll have our guest on. We'll be talking again with Wendy Rose Williams, certified spiritual teacher, past life regressionist, and Reiki master. We're going to have a great discussion tonight. It's beyond reality. Don't go away. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash Johaw. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've got a returning guest, and we're excited to have her back. Wendy Rose Williams is joining us. Wendy is a certified spiritual teacher, a past life regressionist, and a Reiki master. We've got a whole bunch of things we're going to talk about tonight. Wendy, welcome back to the program. It's so great to have you here again. Well, thanks, JV. I'm thrilled to be here. What have you been up to? Please tell me you've been being safe in all this craziness that's going on around us. Oh, absolutely. 
absolutely. I'm I'm at ground zero in the U.S. in Kirkland, Washington, where the first case started. So, oh, yeah, we're, we're still pretty buttoned up. Is everything buttoned up there as well? Yes. Yeah, we're only in phase two of reopening. So oh, I tell you. Yeah, I'm in New York, obviously, and, uh, you know, we're quite quite buttoned up as well. And, and, and it's going on a year. And you think, you know, I think back on 2020 and I just think like it was the year that wasn't. It was the year that never happened. You know that Christmas thing, the year without a Santa Claus? I feel like 2020 <laughs> was the year without a life. I, I feel like nothing happened. I was stuck in time or something. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Uh, my oldest daughter got married, so that was definitely our oh, wow. uh, highlight of the year. Um, but other than that, I just I just was doing a lot of writing and finishing my next book and just doing what needed to be done. Well, that's the way to handle it is to you know to look around <laughs> you and do the things you can do, work on the things you can work on. And I think a lot of people, I mean, I hope anyway. I've heard some stories where people found ways to be productive. You know, maybe they rediscovered some hobbies, or maybe they rediscovered their families, or maybe they, you know, there are a whole bunch of things that can be productive out of this uh, this mess. So that when we come out on the other side, we're all better people. Let's hope. Absolutely. And so you've been working on a lot of different things. Um, update us on the book situation. What do you have out? What's coming out? What, are, what should we be looking at? I have uh, two books and a short story published right now, Regression Healing One, The Huntsman, The Lord High Mayor, and The World War II Soldier was my first book. And it's a nonfiction past life regression session uh, that I facilitated for the soulmate that woke me up spiritually, which will just like hit on a lot of the topics we're going to get into tonight. And it's his actual past life regression session. And he was able to heal um, some chronic pain uh, in a very meaningful way because he had broken his neck. And uh, bottom line, he found out he had not forgiven the people involved in past life um, experiences where he had been really uh, pretty grievously harmed, and that that was what was literally the pain in the neck that he just oh, wow. just hadn't shifted. So that's that's the first book. So nonfiction, as I said, and it's an actual session. He also was able to connect with his higher self, with his soul, and that was a really big deal, as well as connect with his spirit guides for the first time. And I was super grateful for the latter because they kept just, like, uh, pounding me on the shoulder and saying, tell him this, tell him that. And I'm yeah. like, I'm not going to call my ex-boyfriend and tell him this and tell him that. That's not my job. <laughs> he needs to be able to learn how to connect with his own guides. You know, it was his own grandmother, his own dad. And I was really uh, grateful that he was able to make that connection. So that's the first book. And the second book, The Flow One, Plymouth Plantation, it's colonial America, so it's historic fiction, it's metaphysical fiction, and it's about a ghost that just gets stuck and won't go home. And we talked at length about that um, last time. Right. And the big surprise to this fictionalized story is it's actually my own past life regression, because I've got profound memories of, of the 1600s. And that ghost that wouldn't go home was actually me. So that was just all um, very, very uh, surprising. Now, over the course of of doing this and writing these books and and just becoming more uh, in tune with, first of all, your your ability to manage these past life regression sessions, but you've also discovered something like a hundred of your own past lives? And that just, it even sounds ridiculous. It's like, do I even send this to Eddie? (laughs) (laughs) Do I even say this in the email? It was a heck of a surprise to me because I just was living this conservative life until I was 49 years old and was a single mom at the time and had an MBA degree since I was 22. So I just really wasn't on this path. And then to... um, meet of all the crazy places through Match.com to meet a guy who'd become really so meaningful to me and to uh, wake up spiritually because he introduced me to Michael Newton's bestseller, Journey of Souls, which I'd never heard of, and introduced me to the concept of past life regression and life between lives. And we found over the next eight years or so, we found 19 lives together. 
Wow. So that's that's a fifth of that yeah. of that one hundred. <laughs> yeah. Do these do they come to you as you as you explore them? Do they come to you in their entirety, or do you just get flashes and pieces? You you typically get flashes and pieces. What presents is the past life energy that is often where you're the most stuck. That's the most troubling. Mm-hmm. Um, that's causing pain, anxiety, depression or uh, just causing fears and phobias, or you can also get the opposite. You can just get this fabulous, oh my gosh, I absolutely remember this fantastic life before where we were pirates and bringing food to people who couldn't afford it. And I think that was our, our favorite past life, both of us in the late 1300s. Um, and they just came all different ways. The first lives that I found came via formal past life regression, me working with a hypnotherapist, because I didn't have any spiritual practice. So you were, you were, you were, you were the, the, what, I guess the client in those? I was the client. Okay. Exactly. I was the client with the first ones that, that I found. And then that just, it started to open the, the rabbit hole. Uh, the portal <laughs> to more and more info. Right. And it became very obvious I did need a spiritual practice because I just couldn't organize and figure out what was going on. So I did learn how to meditate after being um, having that recommended to me several times. And finally, a, a girlfriend uh, came to my rescue and she said, guess what? I signed us up for a meditation course. We're going starting next week. It's three Wednesday nights for 90 minutes, be there. And I'm like, oh, good. I'm glad someone took charge of this. (laughs) (laughs) So that started to make a really big difference. And I also worked with a lot of other different types of healers. And because, because of my energy, because of my nature, because of my life purpose, I needed to know this information, so I started getting the information from all different types of people, astrologers, numerologists. I was waiting for the grocery store bag boy to tell me about my past life. (laughs) (laughs) It just got to the point where it was crazy. And it's not like I take all this at face value, because pretty left-brained, pretty logical, you know, can I put this in a spreadsheet kind of person? Hello? You know? MBA from a very young age, so it wasn't like I drank the Kool-Aid. So I did start writing it down. What I wrote specifically was the really meaningful possibly progressions in life between live sessions that I had. That's kind of what started it because I was trying to understand them, and I'm like listening to the recording, and is this real, and how do I fit this in my world? Because it was shaking up my, my worldview super hard. In a good way? Um, in a good way in the beginning, mm-hmm. it felt very wonderful and very exciting. And then I got into some really, really challenging, uh, really hard um, past lives. Very worth it. Um, but I had to learn a process of how do you heal these? How do you release these? How do you have these not be distracting? How do you how do you live your life? And, you know, put this in the box when you need to put it in the box when you are working with such a tremendous number of them. Because I don't know a lot of people that have found and worked with that many. Uh, when you are experiencing or, or see, seeing or reliving, I'm not sure what you would call it, a past life, when you're actually able to recall some of these details and you're going through it in your mind in whatever uh, mental state you're in at the time, do you feel the pain? Do you feel the air around you in that particular life? How real is it to you? It depends. It's very, very real. It's more, it's more real than real, like people would describe um, NDEs. Um, some of them came through dreams, definitely was getting information there. Some of them came through spontaneous recall. Some of them came uh, by being triggered because I would see a snippet of a commercial um, on TV for a movie that was coming up, or I'd see a preview at the movies. Um, so, uh, you know, some of it really, really came roaring in like a train. Uh, some of it came in on the heels of one life would bring in another life. So they just became in a variety of ways. 
when you're working with a hypnotherapist, um, honestly, it's, it's my favorite way because you've got a healer. You've got someone there to help you process it and reframe it and distance from it. And they've got all the techniques of if you need to make something super small, they'll say, you know, take a step back. You're not going to be bothered by this. We're just going to get the information with ease and grace. We're just going to get it in a way that's going to be the most helpful to your life today so that you can move on and rebuild on higher ground. But obviously, if it comes to your dream, unless you're really good at lucid dreaming or, you know, good at that sort of self-talk, you can kind of more get run over by the train at times. <laughs> when you were uh, experiencing these, particularly the dream ones, I would have to say, how, what can, how can you distinguish between what you're seeing as being a past life versus your imagination or just a, a run-of-the-mill dream? Sure. There's a lucidity to it. Mm-hmm. There is a detail to it. You tend not to forget it. They're often repeated dreams. They are out of time. I mean, obviously, you can see if, you know, you're looking at something a couple hundred years ago, you can see if you're in colonial America by the clothing. You can see if it looks like, you know, you might be in the 1800s by, like, the gas lamps on the the street or by the cars. I can date. My father would be so proud of me. (laughs) I can date things by the cars a lot of times if it's you know, something from the last hundred years, um, that type of thing. But there's time date stamps. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. And this is completely off topic, but I've been thinking about it. I watched, I can't even remember what film it was. It was a film from the 80s. And I'm watching this film, and I, you know, I was a teenager in the 80s, and I'm watching it, and uh, I'm looking at the cars in this movie. I'm like, our cars didn't look like that when I was that age. They, those cars look really, really old. They can't be the same car, but they were. I just, it's funny how your, your memory plays tricks on you like that. It can. It can. Sure. We're talking with Wendy Rose Williams tonight. Her website is her name, wendyrosewilliams.com. A lot of great information about everything that she's doing there. Wendy, talk to us about the near-death experiences you had. These are kind of important, obviously. Sure. Um, I'll give a, a summary of that. I had two um, in the same week. It was August of 97. I was pregnant with my youngest daughter. I was uh, newly pregnant, 10 weeks along. I'm working at home, um, and I just don't feel right. I just, I've been having all this heartburn. I kept calling the OB office, and they're like, oh, take my Lanta. You know, you've had your one visit. You looked great. But I just don't feel right. And again, I was having precognitive dreams, but I didn't know that term. I didn't know what those were. Yeah. And I would see this ship, this big ship. It's always this violent storm out at sea. And the ship is just tearing apart, like the mast rips out. Even the the winches, the cleats all come off the boat. And I'm like, why does that happen with a boat that's going down. So just all the stripping and tearing. And what happens is I keep going into the bathroom because I'm thinking I'm going to throw up. I do not feel right. I feel like impending doom. I never felt like that in my life. So I go into the bathroom one more time, searing pain in my stomach. I look down. I'm like, my God, someone has stabbed me with a knife. I really literally was looking for a knife in my in my abdomen. I pass out on the floor Oof. and I come to because someone keeps calling my name and I hear this male voice. And I am so shocked because I'm laying on the floor and just curled up because my just the abdomen was so painful and I I, I felt something burst. You know, it's like some organ has clearly burst. Yeah. And did make me briefly think of, oh, the dreams, that's what it was trying to tell me, but I hadn't understood it. And I can hear this voice um, calling my name to wake me up. So I come to, and the, the bathroom is just lit up with more light than I have ever seen. And it's like, like um, sunlight beams, only more magnificent. And it was angels. And one of them said very specifically, you've got to call for help now or you're going to go home. And I, I knew he meant I was going to, I was sure. going to die. Yeah. So 
I immediately said, I, I understand, but I can't, I can't walk. I can't get to the phone. And he said, you just have to try. If you try, we can help you. And I got up on my hands and knees, and it was like being lifted. It was like gently flying a few inches off the floor. And I'm now right in my master bedroom right there at the nightstand where the landline is. So I reached the landline. I'm still on the floor, and I reach up for the phone. I call my husband at work, which in hindsight, is there ever a time to call 911? But <laughs> yeah. I just didn't think of it. I'd never called 911 at that point, so I call my husband at work, which was logical because he's got the car, one of the cars, and he worked five minutes from home. And miracles continued because I got him immediately on the phone, which I've never done in my life, and bless him because all I said was, hey, you need to come home right now. You need to drive me to the hospital. He didn't even say why. He just said, I'll be right home. So that gave me just enough time to call the OB office. They give me instructions when you get here, don't park the car, call, we'll meet you with a wheelchair. So fortunately, the OBGYN office is located right at the hospital. So that that was an absolute blessing or I'd yeah. not be here telling you this story. And they wheeled me into the ultrasound room at the OB office. They try and do... Um, to do an ultrasound, you can't see a thing. I actually asked her, is that on? Or is that machine working? Because you couldn't see a thing because there was just blood completely filling my abdomen. So the ultrasonographer um, leaves and runs and gets a doctor and a midwife. They come back and they look at it. They said, okay, we're going to admit you right now. So take me up on the floors. And we don't know what's happened other than I've got um, some serious blood loss going on right. and don't know, you know, what's causing it. But you can see my abdomen distending, yeah. and it doesn't appear that I'm miscarrying. I'm not bleeding vaginally, and just this abdomen keeps going up. So they put me in bed. Um, I'm admitted, and they try and get the first unit of blood, um, ask me my blood type, and luckily I know it. So, you know, saves all those steps. But I hear them calling the blood bank. I can, I'm right at the nurse's station, which I also knew was not a great sign because I am the room closest to the nurse's station. And I kind of knew what that meant, um, that they were really concerned. So I can hear the phone call and the blood bank is evidently telling them they don't have any A negative blood Oof. because it had just been a big um, train accident, evidently, a few days earlier and they just didn't have blood. So um, it took them longer, but they do get the blood um, at some point, get that hung, and they want me to have surgery. And I'm just looking at them going, for what? What are, you know, what are we doing surgery for? What are we operating on? Who should be the surgical team? Because we don't know what we're operating on. I'm like stupidly arguing. So they agree, okay, watch and wait. Let's see if we can, you know, transfuse and get in front of this this train of blood loss. You can't get out of the bed, you know, not even to go to the bathroom, just just lay there. <laughs> so this goes on for a couple of days, but my hematocrit, which is a measure of your um your um blood blood uh, saturation level, et cetera, it's dropping, dropping, dropping. And I know I'm bleeding out because I can see how often they're changing the bags and I can just, I can't, I can't focus. I can't stay awake. I'm like kind of really walking between the worlds. So I think it was day three. Um, I finally agreed. Okay. You're right. We need to do, we need to do surgery. So we agreed to do it the next morning. They get it scheduled for first thing in the morning. It's going to be two OBGYNs, um, including, including my own. And I'm just trying to relax and rest the night before the surgery. So, like, after dinner, I'm just trying to, like, close my eyes, visualize a good outcome so I can, you know, have the strength for surgery the next day. The minute I do that, visualizing a good outcome, I pop out of my body. And I leave my body, and I'm starting to float up toward the ceiling of the room. And I look back, and I did have a humorous moment because I felt great. I'm like, yay, I'm out of my body. I don't hurt anymore. 
because that IV was so painful and just so much pain from the bleed. I'm on morphine and I'm arguing, don't put me on morphine, I'm pregnant. But we'd like gone through all the pain medications and I was still like on the ceiling with pain. So (laughs) I'm floating out of the body and I'm looking back going, oh my God, she's whiter than the sheets and couldn't they have at least brushed her hair? (laughs) She looks like a wreck. And I noticed I'm referring to myself as she So I'm pretty disassociated, and I feel great because I'm out of the body. I go through the ceiling of the hospital in my mind's eye, in my consciousness, in my soul, and I'm still feeling exhausted. I feel so much better, but I still feel exhausted. And I do remember thinking, again, the the humor starts to come through when you're, you're back in that soul form. Oh, please don't make me walk through a tunnel. That just sounds so tiring. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the minute the minute I think of it, this escalator comes in instead, and there's this pristine escalator, no one on it, so I get on that with a lot of gratitude. I get to the top of this escalator, no sense of time, and at the top of the escalator, there is this most incredible welcome home party. There's like 20 different beings of light there. Um, I know all my grandparents were there. Some of the angels were there, like soul family, some animals. Your grandparents I, were, were, and these people that you knew, were they part of, were they light beings also, or were they separate from yes, it? Okay. They were also light beings. And my grandparents had all passed on by that point, but I'd never met my dad's parents because they died before I was born. So I thought that was cool that they were there, and yeah. I knew who they were, even though I'd never met them. It just was, you know, like that link between lifetimes. So as I get to the top, they all give me this group hug. I've literally only taken one step at home. And I, like, can't wait to explore. I can see the light, and it feels so great. And I'm, like, trying to see around them and over their shoulders. And they're, like, settle down. Um, you know, we need, to, we need to talk with you. We're so glad you're home. We're so glad you're here. You haven't done anything wrong but you need to know um, that you have to make a choice right now if you're going to go back because you can't you can't be here any longer or, or or you know step any further or you will not be able to go back to that body in this lifetime. We want you to know uh, two things: your surgery will be successful, you will recover from it fully, and your baby will be born healthy. But you need to know also life will be very hard probably for many years, because you're not on your life path. You're not living your purpose. So, of course, I ask them, oh, my gosh, what am I supposed to be doing? I want to be doing the right thing. You know, here I am. I'm 36 years old. What am I, what am I missing? What am I not doing? And they just, they just shake their heads, you know, just duct tape over the mouth, throw away the key. <laughs> it's just, nope, not going to tell you. And I said, I want to go back. I'm going back for my children because we also had an 18-month-old. Yeah. And this was just a clear choice. So they give me another huge group hug. The second time I got the group hug, I recognized it. It wasn't just unconditional love, which is so unusual to feel. It's like we get love, but it's usually conditional um, in a lot of a lot of ways, so that was a big deal. But it was energy. They were giving me energy because I am below zero on the gas tank. I mean, I've been bleeding out for three days. Right. So I really feel that was the turning point and why I made it through um, that surgery the next day so well. I recover in the hospital a couple days. And what they found was it was actually my uterus had ruptured, but it's something called the fundus at the top of the uterus. It's an aorta. Oh. That's why I was just losing, and that's why you could see the abdomen distending. And they estimated I lost three-quarters of my blood. Oh, wow. So, you know, they're kind of estimating by the amount of blood products that they'd had to put in. Yeah. And I still went home quite a few quarts of oil low um, because it was six weeks of uh, bed rest at home, essentially bed rest. But I, you know, I get better, go back to work uh, part-time for a week, and then I'm back full-time at work. 
and a job I love. I've been there three years, you know, glowing health uh, or um, performance evaluations. But six weeks after I'm back at work, guess what? Uh, Friday afternoon, uh, layoff, just total out of the blue, yeah. did not see it coming. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Because it's not only my income, which was important to the family, health insurance for the entire family yeah. was through me, and I'm pregnant. So that was, uh, I thought, oh, yeah, that angel, he did give me that preview of coming attraction. <laughs> and one week later to the day, my husband comes home, and just the way he walked in the door, super late, and I just had never seen him look so beaten down. And he said, you know, we need to talk. Uh, we just went to um, payless paydays. We just did a massive layoff. Oh, Almost everyone in my company has gone. I have to stay on and I have to keep working as one of the five owners of the company. And I'm like looking at him with my eyes squinting going, what is a payless payday? What does that even mean? Because I don't even know the term. He's like, well, we're going to be working, um, but we're not going to be getting paid. And I'm like scratching my head, like, and why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. So I don't mean to be trivial, but he's like, well, you know, we've signed contracts. We have to deliver the work or I can't, you know, ruin my reputation. And it's my word. And we also need to try and sell the company. So um, that all gets real interesting. And I'm trying to manage the finances. I'm trying to look for a job, but that is not going well. And, you know, as time progresses, I'm starting to look pregnant. And I'm also not well physically, and I'm not in a good headspace. So I'm sure I'm not um, interviewing fabulously. Um, and so we, at a certain point, we said, we need to just wait until after the baby's born. And then I need to, you know, find a new position at that point. But very, very stressful. We've got my unemployment. He doesn't qualify because he was self-employed. Right. So we're about to um, lose our home and about to have our um, new uh, van um, that we purchased to, you know, have two two little ones. Mm -hmm. um, so we just do everything we can, um, uh, you know, cut expenses, look for a part-time job, do everything we can. But we end up uh, needing to go to Bank of Mom. And fortunately, my mother was able to help us for quite a few months until after the baby was born and, um, you know, got back, got back to work. So it really was, um, you know, quite, quite the, um, excitement. I, I have so many questions about that whole experience, but let me ask a, a simple one first. As this was happening to you, you probably weren't able to make connection to connections to past lives, but in retrospect, have you been able to find the source for any of the, any of these, those struggles that you just explained to us that might've been associated with a past life? Um, that's a great question. Um, I found, um, I, at the time had no knowledge, didn't relate to past lives, just, just was not on my radar at all. Right. Um, that didn't come until 13 years later. Um, but uh, just had a lot of poverty consciousness, I would call it. I had a lot of lifetimes of poverty. I had a lot of belief systems that did not did not serve me, um, you know, around around um, finances needing to be challenging, and just tons and tons of lives as monks and nuns and. Um, you know, people who have taken vows of poverty and just, um, or, you know, like living in communes and just, um, evidently I had not been a capitalist very often. <laughs> <laughs> so I was not quite getting the monetary system. <laughs> you, um, met your angels during those experiences and, uh, the, the angels, would they be considered, uh, what, you know, someone who hasn't met an angel would envision an angel to be, you know, that kind of stereotypical wings, that kind of thing. Or you described them as light beings as well. Right. Um, I am not especially um, clairvoyant. That is the last of, you know, kind of my sense. I don't mm -hmm. see. Mm -hmm. I hear to beat the band. I'm very, very clairaudient. So that's why I was hearing 
um, you know, the angels speaking to me and them telling me. I could just see, like, it was just like streaks of light, but I didn't see in the, in, when I was in the bathroom at home alone, I didn't see like a physical body. I didn't see faces. I didn't see like gowns or wings. It was just like these streams of light. And then the um, NDE in the hospital where I went up the long, long escalator, they were just like these, we all looked exactly the same. I could just tell the angels because they were bigger and just there was like more light coming from them. And wow. I just, I just would hear in my head, angel, it just, you know, I would just hear, um, you know, you kind of sense or know. Um, but we all, we all looked like, um, these beautiful white beach balls, like these just lively big orbs of light with like, like a little lightning storm going on inside it with just energy like going everywhere. But everyone looked the same, but yet I knew, oh my gosh, that's Nan and Pax, right. my, my mom's parents. Something else was, was allowing you to identify, right? I mean, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't visual. Yeah. This is like this heart-to-heart connection, yeah. and you just know. Right. Um, I just want to ask you something for clarification here, because you said orbs. Either everyone, every, you all look the same, and you described it as a big white beach ball, like an mm-hmm. orb. Are you literally like an orb? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. And I find that curious, too, just because of the conversation in the paranormal community about, you know, seeing orbs. And, um, you know, I personally believe much of what people will point to as an orb is dust that's being reflected by Mm -hmm. a flash. However, some people will will present evidence of self-illuminating spheres, as you just described. So could those orbs that you saw, yourself included, actually cross a plane and be part of our reality? I believe they can because a dust particle, it's just, it doesn't have any energy to right. it. It's just kind of, it's just, it's just, there's no energy there. That's right. Whereas this, it's like, it's like so alive and it's just changing, changing, changing. And it's a, yeah, it's a bit of an aside, but I find that very curious. I want to move on because mm-hmm. we're going to run out of time faster than we realize because this conversation is so interesting, but let's talk about soulmates for a second. Um, you yes. use, you've already used that term a couple of times in our discussion tonight. And I know it's something that you talk about a light a lot. So let's talk about soulmates. First of all, what do you think a soulmate is? I think a soulmate is simply someone that we travel with and meet many times. Um, I think it's, it's just, it's, it's an old friend, um, or can be, can be, they can be playing the part of your worst, your worst enemy too, um, you know, to get you to learn a tough lesson or to, you know, to smarten up on something that you just haven't gotten before. Um, for instance, um, former spouses can be soulmates. Children can be soulmates. It doesn't have to be a romantic partner, a best friend, an amazing mentor or teacher. Or that jerk of a neighbor who just argues with you about your property line for 20 years. Um, you know, that can be a soulmate, too, and you guys are trying to work something out. Maybe you've got a, a contract to learn to literally um, be better about boundaries and not just, you know, let people push over you. Or, you know, maybe for you to not be the jerk and realize six inches isn't going to kill you um, and just let the fence be where it is, you know, whatever, whatever the lesson might be. So the romanticized version of soulmate, uh, which we might use in pop culture would indicate the one person that uh, you were meant to be with, but you're using this in a broader term. I'm definitely using it in a broader term. Um, the soulmate completes me, Jerry Maguire stuff. That is just super annoying. <laughs> we are all complete in ourselves. We don't need this one and only perfect person to complete us. We need to do our own work. And, you know, certainly you can find a fantastic uh, romantic partner, um, and they might be for a reason. They might be for a season. Rarely are they for a lifetime, um, but that's okay, too. What are the connections between soulmates, soul groups, and then, of course, soul contracts. Yes, I believe we've all have primary soul groups or soul families. Again, it's people that we travel with many times. I was um, really 
grateful to have a very clear vision of mine in my first uh, Life Between Lives session that I had um, with a Newton therapist. Let's see, it would have been 2012. And that was one of the things we did during that four-hour hypnotherapy was I got to go home without the drama and trauma of the NDE, just in a nice meditation, (laughs) hypnotherapy with the hypnotherapist there guiding me. And I met my soul group, and there were about 22 people, 22, you know, different different souls in it. Um, and I recognized them. I mean, the therapist just had me walk through it. She's like, okay, have one come up to you now, and are they in your life now? Because you may not have incarnated with all of them. It would be pretty rare to, you know, have that many of them. But usually we come with at least some. And you know when you meet them a lot of times, it might be that love at first sight, or it might be that person you can just finish one another's sentences, and you've you've met them all of three seconds ago, but you're like, oh my gosh, it's you. We've got to catch up. It's that type of feeling if you've ever had that good fortune to meet someone like that. And a lot of people relate Mm -hmm. to having that experience at least once in their life. Yeah, it is It is not uncommon to feel that way. I mean, you have that instant connection with someone. So what you're saying yes. is that you've traveled with them before. Exactly. I think that's where that, that familiarity just, just really, really comes from. And soul contracts, I believe that we want to, uh, who is it, um, Maya Angelou, um, when we know better, we do better. I believe we're just really driven as souls to want to do better and to, you know, learn more, and we choose to incarnate and have experiences. And I believe that we plan our lives, you know, to some extent before before we're born. You know, where do I want to be born? You know, well, first of all, what am I going to work on? Maybe my big lesson is forgiveness. Maybe I know I'm not so great at forgiveness. So guess what? You're probably going to have a pretty uh, challenging life because you may be going through some experiences that you consider pretty hard to forgive. Um, because guess what? You know that's that's what you set as your goal. So you're then planning with your your soul family. You're planning with some good input, um, hopefully from some guides and, and angels and elders who are good at life planning, and you set up the soul contract. So the boyfriend that I mentioned that I met in 2010 via match, we found pretty quickly, because I did learn how to meditate, we found that the soul contract, one of them, the first one, was for him to wake me up spiritually, which, as I said, he did through Michael Newton's book by telling me about it. And because he was so jazzed, he was getting ready to go for his own first life between lives, spiritual regression. And that just got me hooked. And that's how I started going and having my own sessions and then became his past life regressionist. And that's what led to the first book. But you can have all types of soul contracts. You can have them with animals too. My oldest daughter is in veterinary school and her um, rabbit um, just died very suddenly, you know, seemed like a totally healthy four-year-old rabbit. And her rabbit died um, when she was in high school. She just comes home from school and finds it dead. Mm. And, you know, we hadn't known there was any issue. We hadn't known to take it to the vet. And she was just so um, both sad and wanted answers. And that solidified her decision um, because she'd been thinking about veterinary school, but that solidified her decision because she wanted to know what happened to that rabbit. And I happened to have at that time a friend who was uh, just a gifted animal communicator. And I said, hey, are you, know, are you able to tune in to um, Patches, uh, my, my daughter's rabbit who died you know, years ago at that time when I asked the question, what was that about? You know, was there any meaning? Was there any reason to that? And she said, well, he had a contract with your daughter. What that rabbit, what that soul specializes in is helping young people get on their life path early because there's certain life paths, like becoming a vet, you know, that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's eight to 10 years of training. Right. You've, you've got to know that kind of young um, and that that's what that, that's what that early death was for. And I just thought that was really intriguing. 
And there's other contracts I've found. I did a powerful session for a woman who'd had a pretty heartbreaking uh, circumstance. And her young son, he was maybe 20, 21, well, similar to your guest last night, um, her son had disappeared. They live in the Seattle area where I am, but they're from Alaska originally. And he had gone on um, uh, on a, I don't think he'd gone on a vision quest or a walkabout. I think it was just literally meant to be like an overnight hike with his cousin. Mm-hmm. But he didn't come back. So his cousin comes back down off the mountain and isn't sure what happened. So they send up a search party, but they can't find him. And then it moves enough into um, the snow season that um, they keep searching, but it's becoming more and more hopeless. And so now they really don't know what happened to him. Did he get off the mountain? Is he injured? Did he lose his memory? Is he somewhere in fine? You know, I can't imagine anything worse than losing a child except to not know what happened to your child. And... So in the it was it was and they disappeared in the fall. So they unfortunately, once the search parties were called off, they had to wait to spring to uh, try and find the body, retrieve the body. They do find um, the body um, with a lot of difficulty. They used several um, psychics because the search and rescue just didn't know. You know, it just it, it just was I guess a large area and just hard to search. Um, and then they had trouble identifying the body. So this was just grueling, you know, for this family to go through for this six-month period. And I met um, the woman um, maybe a few months after this had all happened and her son had been recovered and identified. And she, of course, was heartbroken. Her oldest son, and she had a, a younger daughter. And she was just, that was, she only had one question in her session. She's like, why? Why? You know, just how, how, how do I heal this heartbreak? How can I move through this? And her son came through um, her past life regression very clearly. And it's important to understand, past life regressions are not a psychic reading. I'm not, when I'm the therapist, I'm not telling the person anything. Mm-hmm. I'm helping them relax to the point where their higher self and their guides Or in this case, her son, um, you know, spoke directly through her. And he said, Mom, I know you forgot because, you know, guess what? We got into bodies and we forgot. But we had a contract to do this. This was a soul contract. And I love you so much. And I'm sorry this is so hard. But you need to find a way to grieve me and let me go. And know we're going to see each other again next time. And we're going to see each other at home and know that we agreed to do this, and you are going to learn and grow so much through it. But wow, what a contract. Yeah, that is, that is amazing. And I need some clarification here. When you do a past life regression session with a client, how do these other souls, whether they're souls that we have a contract with or part of our soul group, whatever it happens to be, how do they come through in a past life regression session? Sure. I help the person relax. So it's like they're getting into a lovely meditative state. You're getting to the point where you're almost ready to fall asleep. It's like falling asleep at night or when you're first awake in the morning. And I just ask We go to a healing temple first, and again, that's helping them relax, and we balance their chakras and just do some different things so that they're getting nice and relaxed and nice and comfortable. Also, we've set an intent for the session of what's what's bothering them, or it could be simple curiosity. There's nothing wrong with doing a session because you're curious and you love history and, you know, wonder who you might have been. There's nothing wrong with that either. There's no poor intent for a session. But, you know, usually the person has things they're working on, like they're struggling with finances or they just can't get the relationships to go right or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. So they're just relaxing. We do the healing temple exercise and then we do another uh, meditation where I have them meet their guide. 
And then at that point, they've relaxed, they're feeling better, their guide is there. We might be, depending if we're doing the two-and-a-half-hour or the four-hour session, because I do long sessions, mm-hmm. they're comprehensive sessions. At that point, I ask them to go to the time and place with the most healing and information for their life today, because I want to ground it. I want to be practical. I don't care where they go, and I'm not guiding them. I'm not saying go to Egypt and check out if you were Cleopatra's maid. You know, it's it's open-ended questions. But then um, we go through a process, and they, they, I have them get on a boat, um, and the boat takes them through a crystal cave where they get more healing, and the boat takes them to this time and place. They might go to a past life, a traditional past life, meaning earlier in time. They might go to scenes earlier in this lifetime because maybe something really challenging happened when you were 21 years old or you were five months old. So we might go to scenes like that and then go further back in time. And occasionally people go to a parallel or simultaneous and a few uh, people skip to like a future life potentiality because the future is always changing. But that's, so we just get to that place and I, they just, they just land there. They get out of the boat. And then I just start asking them, you know, look down at your feet. What are you wearing on your feet? And are you outdoors? Are you indoors? Are you male? Are you female? Do you feel healthy? Do you have a feel for your age? And then we just like tune into the scene around them once they're clear on what body, you know, what body they're in. And they just, they just answer the questions. They've also written 20 questions for their own higher self and guides, things they've not been able to figure out, questions about their health, their relationships. Should I move here? Should I be doing this for a living? How can I get this darn book written? Um, you know, why have I had XYZ, quote, failures with this? Why can I not, like, get through this block? And so we just we just start getting answers to those questions organically a lot of times in the past life. Um, it just comes up, so I'm just kind of like checking them off. And then at the end of that past life, we just get to a place where we're just going through. We move to the next scene of importance and go to the next day in that lifetime that's important. And you know, we we move through several several times, and you can just kind of tell. Either when it's winding down, there's nothing more important to explore, or they start to naturally move into their own death scene, or else I'll just say to them, go to the last day of that lifetime. It's going to be very comfortable. You're an eternal soul. You'll not feel any angst or discomfort. And they just, I just have them move out of their body, and they go back into their light form like I did in my NDE, and they're just this white being of light. And we go float up above the trees and go on up to the light. Or I have them tell me, you know, a little bit of their belief system. Do you want me to say the light? Do you want me to say heaven? Do you want me to say nirvana? You know, give me your vocabulary so that I use the right right words for them, what they relate to. And there we get more information. And I have a guide come in and just say, did we understand everything in the past life? Can you tell us anything more? You know, is there more healing needed? Do we do everything we needed to do in the healing temple? And we go then to, so they they answer those questions. Again, they're all speaking through the clients. So I'm just asking the questions and facilitating so they stay comfortable and feel loved and supported in that meditative state, even if they've never meditated before. And it's all recorded for them, so they don't have to take notes. They're just, you know, um, lying on their, their bed at home or if home is too busy, I've had people go into the office and, you know, go in there on Sunday yeah. <laughs> when there's no one there or we'll say, okay, can you go park your car somewhere if home is just crazy busy right now with COVID or whatever, but it's via Zoom and I just record it for them. Wendy, when you have a client, um, I mean, we have psychics on the program frequently and I always tell sure. the psychics, you know, they, they say, Oh, everybody can do, you know, some of this, everybody has these sensitivities. Uh, you just have to learn how to use them, how to recognize them. And I always say, I'm about as sensitive as a brick. I really am. You know how you, <laughs> how you talked about, you know, how do I put this in a spreadsheet kind of thing? Mind. 
Mm-hmm. That's that's where my mind is. You know, it's like it's I I can't think outside of those parameters. Um, so sure. I don't consider myself at all sensitive. So if I were to be your client, would I be able to access those things? Would I be able to get to that state? Does it does it work for everybody? Right. It does not. I'll have one or two clients a year, maybe three typically, that just cannot get that left brain to chill out. Right. And it tends to be uh, the male engineer. Um, but I've had pilots be able to do this. And did we have to go through some them sitting in the pilot chair and their meditation and looking at all the instrument panel? Well, you'd be surprised because their guides are talking to me and my guides are telling me, I'm like, yes. And, you know, for them, it was like to feel in control. Mm-hmm. So give them that. And because you absolutely are controlling your experience. This is not Las Vegas. This is not dance like a chicken. (laughs) You know, it's just, I have zero interest in controlling anyone. It's enough work for me to work on Wendy Rose Williams' life. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I just want the person to feel better, get some insights, get to know themselves better. And if they can have a breakthrough and get answers to their questions, and if they can, you know, learn some new things about themselves and get some healing and get some relief and see some new possibilities, awesome. So the people who, you know, who like you and are like, oh, my gosh, Um, also people that have um, ADHD, it can be hard to do a session, particularly because I do the longer sessions. So typically what I suggest for people like that, because you do, you do move into the state that you need to be in to have a, a successful pathway progression twice a day minimum, because I guarantee you are going to sleep at night and you are waking up in the morning. It's that state, you know, partway mm-hmm. between wake and sleep. That's the wonderful, relaxed state or you may be brilliant when you're in the shower um, and you're like, just these ideas are all like, and you're like, oh, I could do this. And oh my gosh, I just thought of the solution. And I mean, some people literally have a whiteboard in their shower. It's your subconscious. It's just learning to relax and get that conscious left brain that's like, oh, what is she doing? And why can't see anything? And why is this working? And I don't think this is right. Let me tell you, I was a pain in the ass client when I was, went for my first session. I just was so, I didn't know if I could do it. I felt like I was putting down a lot of money and time and effort, but I was so drawn to it. I was willing to try it once. And I, to my amazement, had a fantastic first session and found, we cleaned up multiple things from earlier in my lifetime, and I found two past five. And it was like, oh, my gosh, I actually can do this. So, yeah, it does depend on the person. Um, A person with um, schizophrenia should not do it. Mm -hmm. A person with disassociative identity disorder, those are the only two people uh, or two, two classifications. You have to be mentally healthy to do it. And from there, I can deal with, you know, we can deal with it together and kind of have a laugh. And, for instance, um, last weekend, I had a male banker. What about that says this is going to be a great client? He's fantastic, and he's so proud of himself, and I'm so thrilled and happy, too. <laughs> Didn't expect it. When when you've got somebody on the uh, proverbial couch and, and you're, yes. you're having a session with them, and they are starting to uh, recall and, and start to talk, and, and the words are coming out, and they're describing where they are and what they're seeing and what they're doing, what they're wearing, all those things. Where are they getting that information? Are they finding that somewhere in their brain, physical brain, or are they reaching you know, beyond to a more spiritual place to get that information? There's different ways of looking at it. Um, I believe consciousness lives on um, outside of the body, outside of the brain. If you're scientifically minded, you're probably calling it the conscious, you know, the consciousness. Right. Um, if, you're, if you're more interested in spirituality, you're, you're likely calling it the higher self or the soul. Some people um, would consider it the subconscious, 
because it's there. The information is within us, but your subconscious is your subconscious for a reason. First of all, we can't take all that clutter of all this uh, information and all these knowledges, all this knowledge. Like I said, that's been a tremendous amount of work for, I'm grateful for it, but it has really been 10 years of my life in many ways to work through those hundred or so past lives that have come up for me. I quickly see this clock ticking away and uh, it's, it's upsetting me because I have so many other things that I wanted to talk to you about <laughs> as relates to this, but I want you to take just a minute here um, while we, we still have enough time. Let people know, because you, you've mentioned sessions and I know you do this, you do this via zoom for people. Uh, how can people who are, interested in a first of all um what would make someone recognize that a past life session other than just being fun or interesting would actually be beneficial to them what what would people see in their lives that they might want to think hey you know what i should check into this and then talk about how people can actually connect with you to do it sure some of the best indications are um, pain, uh, physical chronic pain um, is a huge one. Emotional pain too, you know, heart heartbreak, just not being able to let something go and move on, anxiety, uh, panic attacks, uh, depression. Those are all some of the main things that past life regression can help with that uh, Western medicine, with all due respect, you know, struggles with and doesn't really know what to do with other than uh, maybe you get a prescription, um, which is going to mask what's what's going on. You right. know, yes, sometimes you, you know, do need that. My youngest daughter really has a severe issue with anxiety and depression, and she's not interested in doing past life regression. So for her, um, you know, the prescription that that's that and talk therapy, that's, you know, what's best for her. Um, so those are some of the main things. Some of the fun things that people come to me for is stuck creativity. Like they want to start a business, but they always pull back at the last second. There's just something holding them back. Or or I work with a lot of um, authors, first-time authors, and they just can't seem to pull the trigger and just don't know where to, you know, don't know where to start. And we can figure out what their book is, you know, right during the session because we bring in their higher self and guides and get those self-limiting beliefs that we all put, you know, put in place, get those out of the way, and we can rough out, well, okay, what's the book about? What are the chapter headings? What's the title? How are you going to publish it? And, oh, my gosh, what a breakthrough, you know, that is for someone to then know. Or other major um, questions, um, often people are should I get into a relationship with this person or should I be leaving this relationship? And they just want to get clarity, you know, real clarity on things like that. So the way people can reach me is via my website at wendyrosewilliams.com. And they're welcome to request a complimentary 15-minute phone appointment. And let's just chat and see if this, you know, might be something of interest and if I can give you some coaching, um, you know, it, like JV, because it's something that comes up pretty often is, well, gee, I don't meditate and I'm like hyper and it's just really hard for me to, you know, focus and relax so we can come up with, you can listen to um, guided past life regressions on YouTube for free. Dr. Brian Weiss has a nice one and some people do well with it, but it's only 40 minutes and it's canned, you know, it's recorded so if he's going too fast or too slow, you know, you can't change it unless you're, you know, trying to turn it on and off the whole time and you don't have the benefit of someone real time asking you the questions and just, you know, able to help you to kind of settle down and um, get to the point where you're almost falling asleep. You, um, the books are also available, uh, at least links on the website. Is that right? They are on Amazon okay. and on Audible. Um, I recorded them both as um, audiobooks too. Uh, I all I noted, and this might be part of the what we just talked about here. But you are a Reiki master uh, and a, a yes. spiritual teacher. Now I, I kind of get the spiritual teacher part and everything we've already talked talked about. Do you still do Reiki for people? Is that something that you do? The Reiki, 
this is interesting. I have never done a single session um, in person. I took the Reiki for my own energy, and it's worked out fabulously because I then can help the person with their chakras during the session. So we do it in the healing temple at right at the beginning, and I just have a technique to help them just tune into. I just name the seven major chakras for them, explain what it stands for, what the color is, and I have them um, imagine taking that chakra and picturing it like a record and putting it on a record player in front of them, and I just ask them, what's your impression? What does it do? Every single person, I think except one, so hundreds of people have been able to do this and say, oh my gosh, it's really fast or it's really, you know, it's like skittery or it's too slow or it feels like it's running backwards or it's like not big enough. Um, And then I can just help them make adjustments to that. So that I think just gets them in a, in a, a better place to then be able to do the session. So that's why I do that right on the front end and also getting connected with their guide. Cause that is a top question is, do I really have a guide? Who are they? How do I reach out to them? Um, short of starting to bleed out in my bathroom and having a bunch <laughs> of angels come in, that is not my recommended way. Yeah, that's not the that's not the best way. <laughs> no, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. I know. I know. Uh, Eddie said we had uh, some of your books on hand that we were going to give away last time, and uh, we're out of time. But what we're going to do, I'm going to have Eddie um, when he posts this episode on our social media. Uh, we're going to give away uh, those books to some folks who share the episode. So we'll do it that way. And I think the one you sent to us, was it the flow one? I think I sent you one of each. Okay. I think I sent you um, both. Okay. Well, I know he's looking for those, and we, we get so many books that we have quite <laughs> stacks we have to go through, but we'll find them for sure. Wendy, it's been a real treat to have you back. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I appreciate your insight in all of this. Your work is is first class, and and we look forward to having you back again. Well, thank you. I would love that. And thank you for the wonderful conversation. And I congratulations on the 700 plus episodes. You, you win the prize for the most content. And I just love your engaged audience. It's so fun to see everybody here posting the questions real time. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.